you're listening to the Calm Mind Confident Life podcast, full of guided meditations, relaxation audios, and an abundance of tips from inspiring people around the globe. This podcast is here to help you cultivate calm and embrace the power and freedom of believing in yourself. With your host and founder of Value Your Mind, Natalie Keeley. Welcome back, guys. So I hope you've all had a nice couple of weeks. This podcast I recorded a few weeks ago, and it is with the happyologist, Susanna. And she is, she just has so much to share, and we do cover a lot of ground, and there's just so many poles of wisdom, tips, advice, and just generally a really good chat to listen into. So I'm not going to spend any time introducing her as she does it really well herself and I will let you get on with listening. Thank you very much for joining me Susanna. Yeah thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to have a chat. So I was really inspired because actually I heard you on another um, podcast and I just thought what you do is really interesting and kind of I mean we all talk about happiness and reaching this sense of happiness um, in our lives, striving for it. Um, but I'd never actually met someone that was the happyologist. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really, really cool to hear you speaking about it and how you've kind of made it your your kind of motivation in life to, to help others with finding their happiness. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's definitely been a whole journey for myself to get to where I am today as well. And of course, I haven't always been the happyologist, so becoming yeah. one, definitely, um, I think one of the reasons why I went for it was because I needed to understand happiness myself better. And as I kind of dove into the journey, I realized, wow, these these lessons and insights, and specifically, I guess, the, the, the practices that I discovered through positive psychology, I realized I, I had to share them with the world because they were so impactful for me and, and, and have been as well for so many others. Yeah. And uh, did you come from it kind of from a place where um, a personal place or was it more that you were started on your career and then found it was something that came? I mean, I think probably a bit of both. So I've always been fascinated by psychology. Like when I did my um, high school, I majored in psychology, but then I didn't decide to pursue it um, in my university studies because I kind of didn't want to become a therapist and didn't really understand what else there was in that field, really. Mm. So I went to study business management, majored in marketing, went to do a corporate career, um, but I quickly realized it wasn't right for me. The The corporate world wasn't right for me. The company wasn't right. The roles weren't right. And I just felt like I was missing this sense of purpose in my life and that I really wanted to help people more in some way. Yeah. Um, and of course, personally, because of, of the corporate career and me not being not really feeling that I belong there I did feel quite unhappy myself mm. so it was somebody who recommended uh, an amazing book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker which mm. basically introduced me to positive psychology and when I read that that was that was kind of it that was love at first sight and I'm like I need to get into this field I need to find out anything and everything I can about it 
Um, and I started to take little steps into it, reading more books, doing online courses, doing weekend courses. And every step, um, well, one, made me feel better. <laughs> and also, secondly, helped me realize that actually I wanted to work in this field. I wanted to do this with, with you know, people as well and help others the way it had helped me. So mm-hmm. eventually I, I took the leap, left my corporate career, went to do a Master of Science in Positive Psychology, did a life coaching accreditation, and then, yes, yeah, set up the, the happyologist business as it is now. Amazing. Yeah. I think it's really interesting and it really speaks to me actually that you have got your personal journey there that has helped you kind of discover this path, but also that you have got that kind of academic and that kind of evidence base um, to what you're doing as well, because I think there's so many people now that are um, being very philosophical and sharing lots of health and wellness tips and, you know, and, and um, but not often having that kind of real um, deep understanding from, from kind of different therapeutic models and stuff like mm. that. So I think it's really, um, yeah, I think it's a really kind of good position to be in, to be able to share what you know from having both that kind of in-depth experience, I guess, of, of the subject. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate you saying that. And I I totally agree. I mean, I think just, I guess, the well-being and self-help industry is, is, is just booming at the moment and everybody wants to be in it which I I Mm. I think is wonderful and it's great because obviously there's space for all of us we all kind of are helping each other and and helping the world to become a better place Um, but yeah from a personal perspective I also needed kind of the academic side and the the science side to kind of buy me into it a little bit so I'm like okay Mm. what am I actually doing does this actually work what does this mean Mm. um so yeah, so do, doing it that way um, kind of brought me into it as well, um, whilst also taking that personal journey. So I, yeah, so I, I, I do highly recommend that path for us. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, for, for me, um, I, I uh, studied mental health and um, mental health practitioner. And then what I found with that, that it was great for giving me that basis of um, yeah, therapeutic understanding um, and understanding of mental well-being. But uh, it was also kind of sometimes a one one thing fits all almost. Um, actually, it's so individual happiness. It's, yeah. it's really actually about finding what works for you. And there isn't one one fits all kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that makes me, uh, yeah, brings me on to your book, which um, I had the pleasure of um, looking through. And it's called Happiness Is Here. Is that right? I've got the title right. And it's just, oh, it's so full of so many amazing, amazing tips. So anyone listening, I highly recommend you get it. Is it out yet? Yes, yes, yes. It's available um, on Kindle and also paperback. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's available. <laughs> right. And it says in the book, it's kind of a 30 day plan almost that I guess people would follow. Would it consistently or? Yeah, exactly. Well, basically, um, so the subtitle of the book is, you know, a 30 day guide to joy and fulfillment. And the idea is there's 30 small chapters and the idea is that you read each chapter, um, basically one chapter a day for 30 days and then that way you kind of learn one happiness practice and one happiness step every day because each of the chapters is designed in a way that it introduces a concept around happiness um, Mm. and then tells you what you can do in that specific day to kind of embrace it or invite it or activate it in your life so the idea is you know if you like to do kind of the whole 30-day process 
you basically read a chapter, you look what the exercise is for that day, you do that exercise in the day, then the next day you read the next chapter, you do the exercise. So, because that way you start to actually turn kind of happiness into a habit Mm. because the more you kind of embrace these different tools and practices and really actually, you know, do them in your life, not just read about them. That's when positive change starts to really happen and and you Mm. organically start to basically welcome happiness into your life. Oh, that's lovely. And yeah, because I think I've I've read that it takes 21 days to change a habit or form a new habit. So Mm. 30 days is perfect to really, to really kind of install that in your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm interested, obviously, speaking about the fact that there isn't kind of a one a one size fits all approach to happiness. How you found that balance in writing a book that um, that people will read, but taking it so that people can make it an individual to them, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And and I mean, one of the chapters in the book is actually specifically about that, how there isn't a one size fits all yeah. um, formula for happiness. Um, but the thing is, there are multiple different things that you can do and that you can Uh, test in your life and it's all about kind of learning to better know yourself because when you know yourself that's when you start to realize right what is it that actually makes me feel good what is it that boosts my fulfillment what is it that brings me joy and then you can start to actually do more of those things in your life it Mm -hmm. sounds incredibly simple but it really is because I think a lot of the time we get a little bit on the happiness race in a way, similar to the rat race. We're like, oh, well, I'll be happy when I get that promotion or when I get married or when I buy a house or when I get this or that. And it's like, we're always pushing happiness to some kind of destination or goal and objective. And it doesn't have to be that way. And also science has shown it isn't. I mean, yes, when you reach a goal or have a big milestone in your life, of course you feel excitement, delight, pride, and rightfully so. But after a very quick amount of time, your happiness level basically drops to exactly where it was before you reached that milestone or goal. And that's why we need to learn to embrace the happiness journey on a daily level. And how we do that is by connecting to ourselves in a deeper, more meaningful way so that we truly will learn to love ourselves and also understand what is it that makes us happy and how can we make sure that we are doing the things in our life that that activate more of that happiness as well. Yeah, definitely. Because you, it's so difficult. I mean, it is simple, like you said, but then with everything in society and like, you know, people telling you, okay, you need to do this, you need to do the next thing, you know, I mean, I'm 31. And it's kind of, you know, okay, now you need to settle down, you need to buy a house. And, you know, all these kind of things, there's so much pressure of what Mm. people think you should be doing that you sometimes can get muddled to what you actually want and what brings you that happiness and it can really kind of cloud that sense of actually who you are and what you want yeah absolutely and and I totally agree with you with you on that and and coincidentally I'm I'm exactly the same age as you as well so it's 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 kind of a similar thing everyone's um well I recently well just got married and now everyone's already asking oh when's the first child and I'm like what (laughs) like can I breathe for a minute yeah it's so true and 
Yeah, and it is. It's it's very. Um, yeah, it's very interesting, and it is like you say, quite difficult to try and quieten the outside noise and all that pressure and and things that come with it. Um, but the reality is, we need to just build such a strong resilience bubble within us and within ourselves that we learn to truly take the time to connect to us and what is it that we want and why is it that we actually want it you know maybe challenge it you know is it I'm going after this because oh somebody said it would be good or is it because no this is what gives me a sense of meaning this is what makes me jump out of bed in the morning this is what excites me this is what makes me come alive Mm -hmm. and so it's quite important for you to kind of keep almost questioning yourself a little bit on your path continuously to make sure that you are on your path and not just trying to take somebody else's path. Mm. And have you got any kind of suggestions for, I don't know how people do that. I mean, obviously you said about constantly asking yourself the question, but if you really are so entrenched in what society wants from you or whatever it is that's going on, or maybe you, you know, you're suffering from depression or anxiety and that in itself can really cloud and cloud your mind and really struggle mm. to disconnect. Even when you ask yourself those questions, you know, um, have you got any kind of advice about what people could do in that kind of situation? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the best way to do is just to kind of learn, find some kind of method that works when it comes, that helps you to connect to yourself and different things work for different people. So for example, me, um, nature is Mm -hmm. very important to me and it always helps to ground me and to connect me. And when I go for a walk in the park or in the forest, or if I'm in the countryside, I never take any technology with me. I'm, I'm, I'm unreachable. I'm offline. It's, it's my time. I'm connecting with nature because there's something about, you know, the trees, the flowers, the grass, the fresh air, all of that kind of helps to bring you into the present moment and ground you. And when you're kind of simply just practicing being and not doing anything and especially if you are able to do that in nature that's when you learn to kind of connect to yourself again a little bit more Mm. Um, and something else that I also do is a lot of journaling I journal like a madwoman sometimes Mm. and um, I don't know if you're familiar with Julia Cameron and her morning pages Mm. Um, so and she because she basically says you should uh, well she recommends that you journal Two, two A4 pages, you know, with, with pen and paper, not computer, every morning, the minute you wake up, because that kind of helps to ground you, get your subconscious mind out, you're kind of expressing yourself or just basically writing whatever it is that comes to your mind before you've gotten onto your to-do list or your day or whatever it is. And that has also helped me to really stay connected to myself. Mm. Um, and then I'd always, always recommend practicing a lot of self-love and self-care because I think when we are neglecting ourselves, um, be it our, you know, physical needs, emotional needs, mental needs, whatever they are, if we're not getting enough sleep or exercise or nutrition, or if we're not taking enough time to relax and have downtime or even just have fun, that's when we start to lose ourselves because that means we're spending all our time responding to everybody else's needs and we're forgetting about our own. And and that's when we start to disconnect from ourselves and and get a little bit lost. So I try to do one act of self-love or self-care 
every single day um, on top of, you know, the journaling and, and whatever other activities I do. Mm. But I always say, okay, what is my one act of self-love or self-care today? And sometimes it's just sitting on the balcony with a cup of coffee for five minutes, just 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 sitting mm-hmm. and other times it's a hot bubble bath and other times it's actually you know calling my best friend or something like that so just something that kind of yeah nourishes you and and makes you feel full of love mm, I don't know if you've heard the analogy I use a lot with my clients but um it's that they you know on the airplane where you have the air, the the um mm. mask and they always say you know before you tend to your child or your your partner or whoever's with you put the um, the mask on first on yourself because otherwise you won't be able to you look after anyone else and i think it's quite a helpful way of thinking about it that you if you if your driving force is caring for other people then you definitely need to care for yourself first yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't care for yourself, then you're not there to care for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's it's so. And I think people, I think sometimes people think of it as a kind of in like it's a selfish thing to do in a way. Yeah, um, and they really really struggle with it. Um, and yeah, it's just it's really learning this new way of thinking about it. It's actually that it's a positive thing. It's actually quite selfless to be able to really stop and you can give more to the world when you have um tended to yourself and like you said it's so simple you can just do these very very simple things achievable yeah exactly and 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 that's what I always recommend is to start with the one tiniest little thing that you can do it's not about creating a a massive plan and then spending two hours every day doing something new that's gonna make you feel good but just just start with two minutes a day and just just go from there um because I think it's you know small steps in the end make a massive difference and again if you can repeat them and again and again um like you said yourself that's when you start to build positive habits into your life as well. And that's when the happiness will come, the confidence will come and and you'll feel much better and much fulfilled throughout your life. Yeah. And uh, lots of people I talk to will always mention like you did about nature and I'm completely with you on that because I think it's, it's it's so powerful, isn't it? Um, Mm. It kind of puts everything in perspective when you get outdoors and you're just with yourself and, um yeah just it's 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 a amazing amazing healing tool I think but for for me because obviously I I talk about calm and confidence the thing that I think about nature is it's real brings that sense of calm and stillness Mm -hmm. and um I was just interested to know about what you think about the relationship between happiness and calm yeah I mean I think it's they go hand in hand basically Mm. Um, because I think sometimes people forget um, that happiness isn't just a one-dimensional laughter, joy, excitement, you know, all these high extroverted emotions. It's also the calm, the contentment, the, you know, the lack of stress and all those things as well. Um, So I think calm is, is definitely a big ingredient in you feeling happy and fulfilled. And I think it goes kind of both ways you know the more you're able to practice calm and 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 experience calm and and create calm moments in your day-to-day the more happiness will come to you and equally if you are feeling happy and fulfilled and doing things that um you know make you come alive and and make you feel excited 
more calm will come to you as well because then afterwards you will get that sense of contentment of peace of of complete satisfaction Mm -hmm. so I think they both kind of feed into each other in an organic way Mm. and it brings it back to that what you were saying about that sense of always desiring the next thing and actually Mm. those things they might bring you a very kind of um, in the moment immediate happiness but it's not this lasting calm kind of inner happiness is it No, exactly. Exactly. It's exactly that. I mean, because the thing is, if we can't learn to kind of be happy and calm where we are now, we're not going to be happy and calm wherever we are tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. it really is a daily choice. And regardless of what's going on in your life or what kind of challenges you're faced with or what goals you're going after, you still have to learn to experience happiness and calm on a daily level. And you know, as I mentioned in my book, when it comes to research, when it comes to your circumstances, so these external things like having a house or being married or having a great job or where you live, all those things only actually influence 10% of your happiness. So Mm -hmm. having that thing that you're going after doesn't actually mean that you are going to be happy because 90% of your happiness, it is an inside job. It's about how you choose to react to things, how you choose to think, how you choose to approach to things, you know, whether you are able to practice um, and manage your emotions in a more positive way and whether you do feel calm and confident and and happy with yourself. So Mm. that's why it's really important to realize that, that happiness and, and calm and all of those positive emotions, they can be right here, right now. So it's important to start really welcoming them into your life and, and making the time to and the space to actually help them to arise as well. Because especially I think when we talk about calm, I feel like especially in London and you know big a lot of big cities, the going is quite chaotic. It's kind mm. of the opposite of calm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's always like go 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 and busy and like the busier you are the better and your schedule's like packed from morning to evening with work and social and sports and whatever and it's like whoa take a minute take a breather you know being busy is is not the objective of life actually especially if it's creating you know sense of anxiety or pressure or more stress you have to make sure that you are creating those moments and those blocks of time where there's nothing and actually you are just being and you are just you know allowing for spontaneity as well Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that's where we can learn to also introduce more calm into our life but we need to create the space for it as well we can't pack our calendar and then expect to feel calm and content and you know all the other things if if we're not making time to actually pause reflect and and just savor things yeah because I was going to say once you have that once you have those moments of stillness, it's when you can really almost absorb those mm. wonderful benefits of all that you're doing in your life, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it kind of goes to a bit of a, a bit, bit of a deeper level. But I suppose, I imagine that if you are, if your life is, sometimes we kind of fill our lives with busyness, it's a form of avoidance, isn't it? It's a, yeah. uh, it's a tool to, to kind of avoid our, us away from things that maybe are really difficult in our lives um and yeah I I think sometimes stepping stopping is it feels makes you feel so vulnerable yeah absolutely and I think also our kind of obsession that's built with our smartphones and social media is is also a symptom of that because we're just so 
like you say, afraid of being vulnerable and afraid of connecting to us on a deeper level that we're kind of becoming hyper connected to the outside world. Mm. Um, but we forget that those connections, they're not, they're not always real. They're very, um, I don't know. They don't have like the same foundation. They don't have the same base. You know, how many likes you get on Instagram or the following, you know, random people and looking at how amazing their lives are and whatever, like all those things actually, according to research as well, make us feel worse about ourselves and our mm. lives. Um, and this is why I think it's important as well. If we want to feel more calm and if we want to connect to ourselves better, we need to take that bold step and say, actually, vulnerability is good. That's that's who makes me into the person who I am. And that's what makes me stronger. And that's what helps me to connect to myself and as a result to the world in a more fulfilling ways. Um, and one of the things I actually recommend a lot of my clients is to do regular um digital detoxes so mm -hmm. go offline at least one day every week so be it sunday or saturday be offline at least 24 hours so you know no social media no email no whatsapp nothing just 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 actually experience life in the real way and equally i also recommend when you the first thing when you get up in the morning the first 30 minutes of your day don't go online. So mm. do something for yourself. Start the day by connecting to you, be it, you know, meditating, yoga, going for a walk, you know, just journaling, whatever it is that helps you to connect to yourself. And then I recommend the same, the last 30 minutes of your day. Now, obviously then it's not exactly productive to go for a walk and get, um, or mm. run and get all the endorphins flowing, but, but be offline. So mm. switch off all the screens, the Netflix, the social media. Um, and I tend to just basically read a book in bed the last 30 minutes before I yeah. go to bed or we'll have and a bath or something like yeah, that. yeah exactly and usually I notice anyways because I've been going like I've been going so much and doing so many things during the day by the time I switch off and then go to bed I mean I can barely read two pages and I'm already like falling asleep but I'm like oh, okay so maybe I am tired and I think the problem is with technology because we're constantly connected to it and because of the light and the signals it sends to our brain and the endorphin rush rushes we get from feeds and likes as well it makes us difficult to realize that actually we are tired and actually we do need to rest. Mm. Um, and that's why it's so important to put them down and connect to ourselves, our emotional, mental and physical being to actually start noticing again, wait, what's actually going on in my mind, in my body or in my emotions um, and really starting to, to connect to that and not only hear it in the first place, but actually start listening to it and using it as a guidance. Yeah, it's just, it's so, everything you're saying, it's just so true. And I know, like, I talk about this with people, but then I also think and reflect and think, oh, like, it's so, it's so, you know, it's so important to do, but it's just this day and age, it's sometimes so hard because mm. you're so used to, it's like, I was thinking as you were talking the other day, I did, you know, I, something I do as a way of calming myself down and getting myself ready for bed is I love having a bath. I find it very soothing being in water. Mm. Um, but recently I've noticed I'm bringing my laptop and my phone <laughs> into the oh. <laughs> and, you know, and then I'm like wondering why when I go to bed, I'm feeling still so switched on, you know, and I'm yeah. thinking, oh, it's not giving me that same effect, this bath that it used to, but actually the bath hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my behavior around the bath has, you know? Yeah. 
it's so yeah it's so it's it's it definitely takes a kind of a real effort and commitment on your behalf but I think like you said when you form a habit around it when you actually really kind of think okay I'm gonna allow myself to be vulnerable to to whatever comes up I'm gonna really push through with this because I know that Mm. it will get me somewhere and where I am right now isn't isn't where I want to be you know it will get me to a better place in my mind and I think that's so important yeah absolutely and I think like I said before just starting with the smallest step like if you're used to I don't know scrolling your Instagram when your head's you know on the pillow and and you're pretty much ready to go to bed well okay start by not scrolling it for the last five minutes of your evening or something and then you know work kind of up towards it take tiny little baby steps Mm. and kind of observe how they start to make you feel better because that's when you start to feel incentivized and more motivated as well to to take the next step and take an even bigger step and I, I myself as well, I used to be totally guilty of that. You know, I used to take my phone to the bedroom. The last thing I did is check my Instagram. And the first thing was kind of like check my email and I was still in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily my my husband as well, he's, he's very strict. Um, mm-hmm. Like he doesn't even get email on his phone and things like that. So he's been a great influence in my life Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to digital detoxing. And now we have a very firm rule that there is no technology um, in the bedroom. So our phones charge in the living room. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, and and that's, I think even just leaving them outside has, has made a world of difference to kind of the sense of peace and calm that, that you now can feel in the bedroom. Mm. And it's because, yeah, like even something small, like you can, with the phones, actually, there are ways of doing it. Like if you feel so attached to your phone, you can put it on do not disturb like half an hour yeah. before, you know, and all these things you can set it for. And it's, it, it, there, it is there that you can change it into a tool actually that is more helpful to you. Um, yeah. But it's just, yeah, like you said, taking those, those first steps. And when you do it, you realize actually it's okay. <laughs> the world, yeah. the world is, keeps going and I feel better and, you know, all these things, but it's those, just those taking those first steps. Yeah, absolutely. In your book, you talk about, and I've heard of this before, um, about happiness, um, being to do with pleasure and purpose. And I, yes. It triggered something because I remember I listened to this TED talk about um, actually that we need to be thinking about uh, our purpose and our um, meaningfulness in life, not be driven by happiness itself. Yeah. Um, And I was just, yeah, interested to know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Like if we were to kind of devise some kind of formula that we can use to help kind of guide us on our happiness journey. It's, it's exactly that happiness equals basically pleasure plus purpose. So the first half we've kind of touched on already. So you need to understand what are the things that give you different types of pleasure, all these experiences of positive emotions, like joy, savoring, delight, excitement, and then do more often. Then the other half is all about your purpose, your sense of meaning in life. And that's kind of the long-term happiness, whereas pleasure, positive emotions, laughter, joy, all those things are very short-lived. They're momentary things. They're essential for us, but they are the short-term side to happiness, whereas a sense of meaning and purpose is that long-term, more fulfilling, sustained sense of happiness that we can start to, to basically build and embrace. And I mean, I always recommend people to start exploring, just understanding why is it that you do what you do and just, 
you know, every single action, just starting small, like, okay, when you get out of bed in the morning, whatever the first thing you do is maybe it's, you know, you go and brush your teeth or take a shower. Okay. Why do you brush your teeth? It's like, well, I want to have clean teeth. Okay. Why do I take a shower? Why well, want to start the day fresh? Okay. And then you go and have a coffee. Why do you have a coffee? Just because that's how, I mean, you drive yourself insane in the beginning, mm-hmm. but it's just about helping you to connect to every single action you do in your day to day in a more meaningful way, because then you can start to meaningfully connect to all the different actions. And then you start to realize, well, if I can't answer, why do I do this? Then you can start questioning, well, actually, if I don't know why I'm doing this, should I really be doing this? Shouldn't I be doing something that I actually have a purpose behind? And then, of course, if we take it bigger, there is that whole more fulfilling type of meaning and purpose. Like, why is it that you're here on earth? What kind of contribution do you want to make? What kind of positive impact do you want to create? And I always stress that it's not about you know, curing cancer, abolishing poverty or some massive humanitarian cause. I mean, if if you're a fan of those, amazing, go for it, do it. But it can be as little as, well, I just want to inject positivity around me throughout my day, you know? So you can be the person who's always very friendly in, you know, the Starbucks queue or smiles to people or Mm. holds a door to the the person who's walking into a store behind you. And you can just be the positive, encouraging person. Um, Or you can be somebody that has a clear mission in life. So maybe your work is your purpose. Like, for me, obviously, being the happyologist is, is my mission in life. My mission is life is to make the world a happier place, one person at a time. So mm-hmm. it's just about you understanding what is it that is meaningful to you? What is it that gives you that sense of purpose and that sense of connection to your life, to yourself and, and to the world around you as well? Yeah, it really is about that connecting back to yourself like we said at the beginning isn't it it's it kind of everything that we've talked about it it does completely all come back to that once you can really really ground and anchor yourself in that sense of who you are deep deep within then Mm. you can face life's challenges and stresses and stuff knowing that you've always got that there to come back to that there's a reason you're doing things and it's, it, it can help you kind of drive you forward through like really tough times, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the only other thing, I mean, I suppose I would say with that, cause I'm just thinking of, you know, some particular people I've worked with and things who they might say, well, my purpose is working this, you know, really stressful job. And I think, well, okay, my, what I'm trying to say to them is about trying to find more calm in their life. And that Mm. stressful job is not giving them calm. Mm. Um, So do you, do you ever experience that where there's this kind of imbalance of what people think is their purpose and how it, the kind of, um, I guess the negative impact it's bringing on their, them and their life? Yeah, absolutely. And especially when it comes to like you said, careers and work sometimes. Mm. um, I mean, obviously doing work gives you a sense of purpose automatically because you're doing Mm. something, you know, for the company or be it your business or, you know, as a contractor, whatever, that gives you a sense of purpose because you're being needed. Your work is Mm. being required. So immediately you feel more connected to it. But at the same time, we can't forget connecting to ourselves. We can't just connect to our job and then eliminate connecting to ourselves because it's not... A sustainable formula, like you said, if if we then let, if if that becomes an obsessive kind of purpose in a way, and that's all there is, and there's nothing else, and you're going mad at it, you know, all day, all night, every day, 
you lose that connection to yourself and immediately and eventually you will start to experience symptoms of burnout mm. um, and then you won't be able to fulfill that purpose anymore. And that's why with anything, anything it is that you do, you always have to have a sense of balance. Mm. Um, so I always, always talk to my clients so much about balance. Like it's good to love your job and be excited about it and work hard at it. And yes, I understand that you know, work can be very stressful, but it's about understanding, okay, well, if I'm, if I've had a stressful week at work, or if I know I'm about to have a stressful week at work, what can I do to recharge myself either before or during the evenings or after that stressful week to make sure that I'm still recharging myself as well? Um, because if we don't do that, then eventually we will get to that negative state and we can be pushed into burnout. And then, you know, then we've got, yeah, then it'll be very difficult. It will be much more difficult to come out of that. It's much more easier to try and prevent it and manage it and just build a more positive, balanced relationship with your work um, than to then kind of, yeah, go all the way to, till you work yourself to the ground and then try and climb up. Because mm. I think sometimes they, it's their, you know, you have that purpose and you think, okay, my purpose, I'm working hard. I'm really kind of trying to strive for this purpose, whatever it is. And the pleasure is there because you're kind of almost got that adrenaline. It's like, yeah. Um, but then it's, it's this sometimes not noticing those early warning signs in yourself that actually yeah. you're getting the adrenaline, but you're also getting some negative things and it's kind of shining a light on those things and taking a moment just to really pay attention to those little things that are kind of creeping their way in, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because when when you're under stress for a long period of time and your adrenaline is there, the adrenaline is fueling you, but having adrenaline mm -hmm. for long periods of time is extremely detrimental and it's actually destroying your body and your mind. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take the time to stop, reflect and just pause, then you don't notice. And that's why it's so important to make sure that you are taking those moments of calm and, and digital detoxes and going to nature and you know, even gentle exercise or whatever, um, because those all help you to connect to yourself and help you to notice how is it that you're actually feeling. Mm -hmm. Oh, so many, it's such an interesting conversation. <laughs> um, so with, yeah, we're coming to an end and um, you've shared lots of tips already, but I was just wondering if there's any more kind of, I ask every guest like top three tips um, around calm and confidence that you wanted to share. Yes, yes, no, definitely. Um, well, the first one is a variation of a gratitude exercise. It's gratitude's probably come up before. It's quite popular these days. Um, but I'm going to give you a specific variation of it, especially tied to kind of building your sense of self-confidence, feeling calm in yourself and just experiencing more self-love. And it's basically the gratitude journal, um, which usually you finish every day by writing down three specific things that you were grateful for in your day but I want to basically offer a twist that really focuses on you so I want you to finish every day by writing down three specific things from your day that you are proud of so something that you've done you've accomplished or you felt or experienced that you are proud of you know it could be as simple as um, I, I managed to basically put mascara on and it didn't smudge for once because that is like a miracle <laughs> for me <laughs> And, or it could be, um, I had a really good meeting with a new client and I felt uplifted and I felt in flow. Um, or it could be, um, I managed to, I did, yeah, I managed to make my 
gym workout in the evening, which I haven't done for a while. So whatever it is, you know, three things every day that you basically are proud of three of your achievements or things that basically helped you to yeah feel a sense of pride achievement and and self-love and do that as you said at least for 21 days because that's when you start to realize that you are doing a lot and you have a lot to be grateful for in yourself and you really start to connect to that inner self-confidence and connect yourself in a more meaningful way Mm -hmm. The second tip, um, being a big journaler, is a journaling exercise. So it's basically every week um, I try to do this. Um, I have to admit I don't do it every single week, but I try to do it most weeks. And it's basically you ask yourself three questions and you say, one, what is the one achievement that I was most proud of this week? Two, what was my biggest learning from this week? And three, what was my most beautiful moment that I experienced? So basically, again, going back to achievements, then looking also at learnings, because of course, we're always learning and growing, but is there something specific that really stood out for you that you want to remember? And third, a beautiful moment, because we are continuously having them, but sometimes we're so busy, like we talked about rushing around and going from one place to another, that we forget to notice them and actually take a moment to cherish them. So this journaling exercise is a way for you to kind of dive back into it and kind of relive it step by step and and feel that positivity surge that comes from it. Mm. And then my third and final tip is listen to your intuition. And I know, again, that's one that's really easily said and sometimes difficult to achieve. But the more you learn to quieten the outside noise um, and connect to your inner voice, the more you will hear your intuition, the more you will understand it, and the more you can start to actually follow it. Because your intuition is something that knows so much more than your mind. You know, it's every cell in your body carries a memory from everything that you've done, everything that you've thought, everything that you've experienced. So it is there for a reason. We just kind of have forgotten it a little bit on the way with our very mind-driven society and especially with our, you know, what we talked about with our hyper-connectivity with our smartphones and social media. Um, So it's really important to make the time for those quiet moments so you can learn to really light up your intuition again and listen to it. And in my book, there's a specific exercise, which is basically if you've got a question you're trying to figure out, a decision you're trying to make, you basically just connect with it, think about it, maybe meditate it on a little bit, and then put your hand on your heart, you know, physically put your hand on your chest, on top of your heart and say, what does my heart say? And then just listen. And just listen because, okay, initially it might be, oh my God, this is stupid. My heart doesn't know anything. I can't hear anything. Just be, just try and quieten the mind. Keep your hand on your heart and keep asking, what does my heart say? Because the more you focus on it and the more you kind of create a quiet moment and try and really quieten the mind chatter, that's when you can start to bring out more of that intuition and really listen to that inner guidance that you have. Mm, and I love that act of actually putting your hand on your heart and asking yourself and actually even some, you know, saying it out loud. I think yeah. it has such poignancy to to be able to do that. Like it's an actual kind of physical act, isn't it? It kind of really brings you back to your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. All those tips I'm definitely going to try out straight away. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you mentioned as well the book that obviously your book, um, but also you, in, in when we were talking at the beginning, you mentioned another book. What was that? So I can just um, put it in the show notes as well. Yes. Yeah, so um, the first book, as we discussed, um, or well, actually the latest book is Happiness is Here. And my first book, which came out a couple of years ago, is called Screw Finding Your Passion. It's within you. Let's unlock it. Um, because I've basically done a big research piece around it and interviewed a lot of people about this whole find your passion message. And what I actually discovered, and of course, then explained in my book, is that living a life full of passion isn't about finding what you love, but about finding love in what you do. So it really debunks the myth that you're meant to find and follow one passion and instead shows how you can live your whole life with passion. Ah, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Oh, I, I could do a whole new episode talking to you about yeah. that. <laughs> and there was another one that you mentioned at the beginning by someone, I think. I yes. Know. So that's The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. So that's the first book I read on positive psychology. And it's the book that kind of introduced me to the field. And he's also done, um, Sean Aker, he's done an incredible TED Talk that I think is one of the most viewed TED Talks. Um, it's, I think it's like 10 or 12 minutes. And yeah, he touches, yeah, he talks about positive psychology and it's, but also he's hilarious. Like he's, he's such a showman. So he's, um, it's a wonderful watch. So I highly recommend that as well. Oh, great. I've got, um, there's a Facebook community group attached to this podcast. So I'll share that TED talk in there. Oh, um, great. Wonderful. And all the things you've talked about, I'll obviously share in the show notes. Um, so where can people find you? Yeah, so the best place to find me um, is on my website, which is happyologist.co.uk. Um, and I am also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, um, the same uh, handle, which is at the happyologist, all one word, the happyologist. So, yeah, so come and hang with me there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susanna. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So there was so much helpful information shared there. I really enjoyed talking to Susanna about two of my pretty much favourite topics, happiness and mental well-being. I hope you guys all found it helpful. Of course, do check the show notes because some of that is summarised there. And yeah, a massive thank you to Susanna for coming on the show and of course to you guys for listening again. And I will see you back here in a couple of weeks time. Thank you.